Hello and welcome to Foundation Nation. I'm your host, Matthew Cote, high school educated, master of nothing, and gifted with the knowledge of, well, a lot. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, the crumbles and the cracks. And yes, I'm talking about your home's foundation. But we're also going to be talking about the foundations of life. So join us here on this beautiful downtown Burien, Washington, as we explore with our guests foundations of your home and the foundations of life. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to go on an adventure. All right. Thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to have you here, and we're going to talk about some interesting things today, and hopefully we'll get an interesting concrete story um, and talk about some home and personal life and your career. And at the very end, uh, Jonathan is going to reveal his, uh, you know, precious foundations of life. Um, Tell us a little bit about you, Jonathan, and introduce yourself. Absolutely. So, Jonathan Chiquette, former mayor of Normandy Park, uh, entrepreneur, Crazy guy wearing biker equipment right now. Oh, uh, oh I didn't even notice. Yeah. yeah. Harley did. Actually, yeah, my Harley just actually went in the shop today. Oh, uh, geez. That's a whole other story. Oh, no. It wasn't that bad. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I, there's so much to talk about, but I really want to boil it down to... Um, a few things are really important to me. Community, Your beard my and beard. community. And, right. In fact, my my beard. You ever see that Alex? Uh, what was that commercial? It was like uh, Capital One or something where Alex Baldwin was in it, and he like grew a beard on demand. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, that was fun. Yeah, man. it was funny. That was. And really I was like, good. hey, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning. Yeah. It's yeah. like a wolf man thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So community is really big with me. You know, yeah. And when I joined the city council in Normandy Park, uh, it was it was um, kind of a force of nature. I moved into the city uh, because my wife was trying to get me back down to the south end. I'd been living in downtown Seattle for a while, mm-hmm. came down to the south end here. Uh, her family, you know, she grew up in this area. So this is home to her. She knows everybody. It feels like right. can't yeah. go anywhere without her. Yep. Oh, yep. Hey, how's it going? Hey, How are the hey, kids? Hey, there you are. Yeah. Um, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I never really had that. I moved around a lot as a child, so I didn't have that one place where I just knew everybody and I was super cohesive. But the weird thing was when she got me down here and we were looking at homes, stopped in Normandy park, started looking around. I'm like, I really dig this place. Yeah. And the second home, maybe the second, third home she showed me. And I just, I was, like this is it this is it this is the house yeah this is what i'm calling home for the rest of my life i fell in love with it and immediately after that i fell in love with the city you know just the people and my neighbors were immediately friendly Mm -hmm. you know it was Mm -hmm. it was a little idyllic you know Mm -hmm. i was like this is crazy this only happens in the movies the one cop that could be your house in two minutes (laughs) yeah exactly um and over time, I did find some frustration in the city council and some of the things that were going on there. It wasn't like any one person just stood out like, oh, you need to go. It was more like they just felt like they'd been around a while fighting over the same things. Sure. And for me, you know, fresh eyes, fresh face. I'm like, yeah, I'll get in there. I'll change everything. Yes. yes. Uh, you know, yeah, very idealistic. Of yeah. Me. Um, and as with anything, you go in. With all that, you know, piss and vinegar, as they say, mm-hmm. and you get in there and you realize, okay, this is a lot more work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it was. It was a lot of work. Four years of really fighting a seemingly uphill battle to a point where I think the first two years was. So, you know, the council, you know, to, to put it better, the council elects the mayor. The city does not elect the mayor. So it's not a populist okay. vote to city elect the city elects mayor. the council. All right, city elects the council. And then in the first meeting after um, 
that election, a new mayor is elected and mayors serve two terms. So a council member is elected for a four year term, but the mayor serves two years. So every two years, the council votes for a new mayor. Okay. So I was elected uh, into the council. My Mm -hmm. first meeting, I was elected by the council as mayor. And so immediately it's like slid over. Here's the gavel, start running this meeting, Um, which honestly, I was I don't know if it showed, but I was scared. <laughs> it's like, uh, I mean, I knew enough about running boards. I'd been on boards before and running meetings. So that part wasn't new. Uh-huh. I was like, holy crap, what did I just get myself into? Was the, Now, was the mayor there, the previous mayor there? Where was it? Yes. Previous? Okay. Yeah, so there was, well, actually, I don't think so. No, actually, because the previous mayor was Susan West. Okay. And she was, she was the previous mayor. And I think she actually had to um, not run for office again. There was a conflict of interest with a job or something like okay. that. Okay. Okay. But her and I, she did a really great job of prepping me, you know, mm-hmm. and like, here's what's okay. going so on in the city. I had a good lay of the land. Okay. She was awesome at, at really helping me out and understanding what was going on in the city. So again, just that great community support, right? Uh-huh. Um, anyway, got in there. Two years goes by, felt like I'm just getting almost nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, although I, I think we did make quite a bit of headway, but I look right. back and it felt like it was just a, a battle. The second or the second term, um, so I was elected again for a second term. And that second term, most of that second term was high productivity. Mm-hmm. You know, we put in a bunch of new streets. Yep. We put in um, new uh, wastewater systems. We put in I mean, just tons of stuff, yeah. new lighting. I mean, you name it. There's a lot of great things that were done not everything that I even wanted. You know, I had this, I literally had a list of things that I wanted to accomplish when I was there. Yeah. I don't think I got halfway through my list. And and that was just me th- having this really lofty goal of where I wanted to go. So what percentage, if you don't mind asking, of your list did you... Maybe 30%. Do you feel like... it? What, so what's the I average? think it was... That sounds... Honestly, that feels like incredibly amazing to me. Well, I had several council members and other city mayors that said, you know, you guys actually got a lot done. Yeah. A lot of, you know, most of the time it's just fight, 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 and you're not moving the ball forward a lot. It's very incremental. Right. Right. And most people don't see that increment because they're expecting these big, glorious moments of change and right. that wasn't happening it was for most cities that doesn't happen our city we did we had these milestones it's like hey look we got first avenue repaved or we got that piece of sidewalk that actually finally connected from oh, yeah. you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah, like I right in front one. of yeah. the um the senior homes and yep. things like that i mean community the the sidewalk in front of the community center did you play a part in that um yes a little bit yeah yeah so th- there was there were several areas that and it was a team effort. I really want to be clear about that. Yeah. There was no, Jonathan won the day. There was none of that. Right. Um, it was me being pretty much an ass and, and making people work harder than they'd ever worked before and probably having a little more debate than they were used to, but it forced conversations to happen that I thought needed to happen. Right. And I think that's what moved us forward more than anything else is we were just we got into a mindset of like, we need to talk about these things. We can't continue to put these on the back burner. Right. Now, that being said, that's also what got me in hot water in the uh, latter part of my my second term. Yeah. Um, when I was trying to make, yeah, was, there was some change management that I really, really thought needed to happen in order to move the city forward. I decided to push an issue forward. You know, retrospect, probably wouldn't have done it again, yeah. but I did, and yeah. I think, it's made a difference. I don't know if it's necessarily made all the difference I thought it would. I think it would have been better if I could have been there to help manage that all the way through. Right. But, you know, like I said, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So the mayor 
the first that was your first time ever in public office first time ever and it was a mayor of what how do you say it when you don't get paid what would that be called sucker (laughs) 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 no (laughs) say what say what um yeah no so actually there's no there's no term for it other than you're just i mean you're volunteering at that point right you're just it's volunteerism um here in the city of burien they get paid Mm -hmm. uh the city below us they get paid the city to the right of us they get everywhere else they're pretty much so so what's your what's your personal growth takeaway from that um I look at everything as an opportunity to break down my comfort zone. Uh-huh. And it definitely did that. I, I got way outside of my comfort zone, both in, in terms of understanding the civic process, but also in forcing myself to get involved in uh, larger politics. Uh-huh. So, you know, you can, you can get really myopic and look at your city and say, this is all I'm going to focus on because this is mm-hmm. the most ultimate thing I could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And I believe my city is that glorious that it needs that much of my attention. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, there's regional money to be had. There's grants to be had. There's state money to be had. There's federal money to be had. And when you live in a small city, you're suffering financially just out of the bag because you got folks like Tim Iman who unfortunately get initiatives passed that scrape away a lot of tax dollars that otherwise would have helped small cities and sure. those are gone. Sure. And so now we're faced with the reality that we just don't have as much sales tax as we used to have. Mm-hmm. How are we gonna power our city? Right. Normandy Park is incredibly difficult because we just do not have this retail. Like if you look around here, there's building after building that, you know, yeah. there's shops everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Normandy Park, that's not the case. And so we rely on the tax burden back onto your regular resident. Yeah. So you get, you know, heads in beds for us is a little different than a hotel. Like we literally need heads in house yeah. beds in order for us to pay our taxes. Yeah. Well, and I think Normandy Park has some of the highest taxes around town. It does. Uh, it's quite high. I mean, right? you could even look at Mercer Island. I think um, when we were just doing some tax analysis, we were higher than Mercer Island. And right. everybody was like, Mercer Island's ridiculous. Well, I think we're actually yeah, more ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and well, and I think they've they've kind of adjusted it over the years and yeah. become more competitive. You know, yeah. Um, people in that community uh, have really fought hard to get them down and change and, things around. And one of the things that city did was a great evaluation of their zoning mm-hmm. and their planning, and they were able to lift up some of the areas, right. go vertical, yep. um, building more shops, yep. put more heads and beds yep. and um, they did a lot of things to increase their tax base absolutely which they created again, a downtown they created a downtown you before know, it was just an no, exit off the freeway it really was i remember when i was a kid growing up we would stop in mercer i, I didn't know it was an island i didn't know where I, I just knew we stopped in mercer island there was a dairy queen yeah and there was there was a gas station and a grocery store yeah now there's a, it's there's what i would say it looks like beer to me yeah i mean it's a thriving downtown it is absolutely thriving and with you know you're gonna have the light rail going oh, through that's there right yeah and mm-hmm. so you're gonna have a stop there yeah uh, there's there are so many things that you know i mean it's taken a long time for mercer island to get to this point right but they are finally at a point where they're embracing that they are a pass-through Yep. hub mm-hmm. and using that hub aspect of who they are and where they're at to improve yep. their economy mm-hmm. which is great to see yeah um and you know at some level if you look at normandy park we are a pass-through city as well mm-hmm. you know we're on first avenue we're that's our border first mm-hmm. avenue is one of our borders the other border is the water um there is no 
center city hall mm-hmm. area, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's just nothing like that. So we rely on that traffic in order to have somebody stop by, say, Ace Hardware, mm-hmm. get a screw or a box of whatever, you mm-hmm. know, and those types of things um, are very different from Iberian, where there is a city hall in the middle of a city center, right? Surrounded by shops, right. surrounded by residential, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't exist in Oregon. No, it doesn't. Yeah, no, we have a cute little city hall, but yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it even there with if you took out the parks and everything and tried to create a civic, you know, commu- you know, a business center ish thing, mm-hmm. there's just not even enough room, really. No. So you'd lose you'd lose the bulk of everything. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but the the civic stuff, you know, I learned a lot. A lot of made a lot of really good friends. A lot of yeah. good connections in government, uh, all levels of government. Um, but I, you know, when I look at it, I did lose my election. Well, right. I, I ran again. Um, right. Like I said, I'd already tainted those waters. That I, I was hoping it wouldn't affect me, but it obviously did. And I've moved on. And I think I moved on in a good way. I've. I've Right. Like I said, created a lot of good relationships, but I feel like there's more I can do for cities, not just Normandy Park, but cities in general mm-hmm. with my knowledge. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to figure that out. Figure it out. Yeah. You, I mean, you seem like a great guy. I mean, I'd love to have you in, in any city helping out, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 people out there that are, you know, in politics for the, all the wrong reasons. Right. And, you know, you seem like a very, you know, that, what is that? Uh, integrity. Yeah. Yeah. You can't you can't beat that with a stick if you got it. Yeah, you can't you can't literally buy integrity. No. no. <laughs> How humble of you. <laughs> so, uh, may, so that's your political career. Yeah. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, your CEO, advent, you know, your sure. entrepreneurial adventures. I mean, yeah, you know, it's 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 a wide range. So when I'm, I'm going to tell a little bit of a story because it goes way back. Um, I think I had, well, we should probably pause and say, we, (laughs) yes. So all the listeners know, we actually had an entire show (laughs) that I hit the record button wrong or something and it didn't record. So you're about to say, I was about to say, I'm like, last time I already talked about this, but unfortunately I am not a, um, professional button pusher. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I goofed that up. But yes, I, I think you were, you, yeah. did, you did talk about that. Yeah. So in the previous conversation, um, I mentioned the uh, the movie Secret of My Success. Secret of great movie. Great movie. Uh, you know, my generation, I guess that dates me immediately. But um, there was it's the underdog, you know, the guy who wants to do everything for the right reasons, finally Get, makes his inroads, and before you know it, he's the chairman of the board, running the, sh- the running the show. Yep. And I was like, yeah, I was pretty young when I saw that, and I kept thinking, that's what I want. Now, I didn't want to necessarily be in a building, in a corner office, running tens of thousands of people or anything like that, but it was the motivation of, I want to do something that mm-hmm. actually makes other people's lives better and makes me happy and well off doing it. Right. I don't need to be a billionaire, but I want to. I want to be happy and well off, and make other people happy. What is that thing? What? Yeah. What is? It, what is it? And you know, to this day, um, so I've been, I've been a janitor. I've been uh, a really small designer dude who did ads for the newspaper. I've done all kinds of things. I won't even tell you all the things I've done in my life, but I've done a lot of different things. He's like a Spider-Man. Yeah, pretty much. Taking pictures of yourself and selling them right. back to the <laughs> Tribune. Oh, man. 
Now I should have been doing that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I've done a lot of different things. Where I've really fell into the last, you know, I always wanted to be a designer. Like back early days of computers, I liked playing around with computers and I would design on computers. But back then it was like you typed in some coordinates to connect something to make an arc or whatever. There was no Apple Pencil yeah. and whatever. AutoCAD. Like, yeah, you, know, you had to, you had to yeah. learn some stuff. You had yeah. to know a little the, bit of mouth. Did you ever see AutoCAD in oh, the yeah. original f- version? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what. That it, you got, you want to talk about rocket scientists. Yeah. So actually uh, one of my jobs, one of my many jobs was uh, fixing and installing uh, IBM hardware. Okay. So IBM mainframes, a lot of their CAD systems, things mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. I actually had to learn how to use some of those systems to test them out. And it was crazy. You know, I had dials over here and the special keyboard and mm-hmm. oh, oh my God. Keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. But Coming up through all that, I always wanted to design, be a designer. I artist at heart. My mom and dad, artists amongst other things, and it just stuck with me. And for the last thirty years, I guess I've been acting as a creative director or some version of a creative director, VP of design, et cetera, whatever, mm-hmm. for different companies, uh, startups, mm-hmm. larger companies. Um, I love that part of it of mm-hmm. what I do, being a designer. But that's always just been a gateway to something else. I think I feel like there's still something bigger for me to do. And I can't quite say I put my finger on it yet, but um, I continue to innovate. Um, I have at least five corporations under my belt. Some of them just sit there waiting for me to really brainchild it the rest of the way out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to find is that solution that it's not going to solve all the world's problems. I'm, I don't honestly believe in some sort of utopian dream that I'm going to magically find something or anybody else is going to magically find something that makes everybody get along. But what I'm hoping I can do is play a role that actually helps move us forward as a human race. If that means I'm just a cog at a wheel and I'm doing a great job and I'm happy, great. Mm -hmm. I'll do that. If it means I'm running some corporation, great. I'll do that. I just want to fit in somewhere that I know is actually making a difference. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, the, things are definitely um, changing in the world. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it, I've been all over the world and I've seen so many different things. And, you know, some of them are gone. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's really, it's good that you, I feel like it's good. You're in a good place. You know, honestly, my, my advice would be I'm glad that you haven't found what, you're calling us, so to speak. That's kind of what you're speaking on, right? Yeah, it's, I, I think, you know, I think the deeper calling is that I'm still searching, that I'm still learning. Right. And um, I enjoy the learning. Right. You know, it's just the lumps that come along with learning. I enjoy that. But it's um, almost meditative, sitting right. back and letting the world tell me what they need from me. Yeah. And that means saying, oh, I can feel that need. I see that need. I, yeah. I can feel that need. You know, it's like the, the city mayor position. You know, I can feel that need. Um, my neighbor needs something. I can feel that need. Whatever that need is, I want to be able to be there to fill that need. Yeah. And that does take some sense of sitting back, being quiet, and just hearing what the world has to offer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, how do you, you know what I always envisioned as a kid? I always envisioned a, I don't know how big of a wall, a giant wall from here to there and from there to here, full of TVs. And enough TVs, however many it would be, to have every single news channel of the whole world on it. 
And then I always envisioned, I always thought, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to sit back and beat up my microphone. (laughs) I'm going to be able to sit back and see the pattern. Yeah. You know, I always wanted to do that. It's stupidest thing in the whole wide world, but you know, I, I don't have that. uh, I have the, um, I have that same feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. that same, you, you, you see what happens with people in the world when they are able to fulfill what you're looking for or what you would like to do. Right. I mean, uh, that whole SpaceX guy. Yeah. If he actually gets to Mars and colonizes it and, you know, starts, gets a Starbucks up there, you know, before he dies, my goodness. Right. You know, but that's, you know, and I think I've kind of been that kind of a, uh, of a dreamer. Right. Of, setting the bar ridiculously high. Mm-hmm. And when I've had teams, I've managed those teams, whether it be a design team, uh, whatever team it is, I'm always setting the bar ridiculously high. Right. Mentor my team. So mm-hmm. it's not, hey, here's the goal. Go make it happen. Right. Now, here's what I expect of you. What tools do you need? Interpersonal skills, whatever it might be in order to reach these goals. Right. And let's get you aimed at that target. Most of the time, you're not going to reach that goal because those goals are super lofty. Like going to Mars maybe won't happen inside his lifetime, but by setting that lofty goal, the odds are better that that will actually happen. Right. If you set the goal to let's build a rocket ship that can take um, one of my cars to Mars, right? You could probably make that goal, but by making that the goal, Let's say you achieve it and you achieve it before you're even, you know, 60 years old. Right. What are you going to do next? Right. Right. All of a sudden you got to start readjusting where your long-term goals are. Mm -hmm. By having these ridiculously lofty long-term goals, it allows you to set short-term goals that are realistic that target that long-term goal. Right. And you're more likely to achieve those. People time and time again, as they are approaching moments in their life, you know, whether it's a financial situation, a family situation, they look at their feet and not literally necessarily, but they're looking at their feet for the solution. Mm-hmm. You got to look further ahead, right? Otherwise you trip and fall. Mm-hmm. You got to look further down the road. In fact, I will use a motorcycle <laughs> uh, training tip. So when you're riding in a motorcycle mm-hmm. and you're cruising along, the last thing you want to do is look at the first three feet in front of your bike. Right. You're out 12 seconds or more if you can down the road. Because if somebody pulls out in front of three cars ahead of you and somebody has to slam on their brakes, that's a chain reaction you wanna be aware of before it actually comes. Right. Same thing happens with life. If you're not looking far enough down the road, somebody slamming on their brakes three cars ahead of you is gonna cause you problems if you're looking at your feet. Sure. You just don't have enough braking distance. So the lofty goals, same principle. Looking far enough ahead, you're more likely to achieve greater things. Mm -hmm. And simply apply that to everything you want in your life and you're more likely to reach it. Yeah. What do you, so when you think of this, this kind of, this, this, um, do you think in terms of just the United States or the whole world? I think the whole world. The whole Um, world? Yeah, I I mean, I'm a big fan of fix it at home first mm-hmm. kind of mindset. And let them. I mean, you can't. I, I, now, I've seen this a lot. Um, in my day job, I work in, uh, in support of philanthropy. So mm-hmm. I, I see where a lot of philanthropists make huge mistakes trying to go out and fix the world. Sure. 
the world is a big thing to fix. And there's culture differences, the religious differences. There's a lot of differences that you need to overcome first before you can even start fixing a problem, let alone understand the problem. Right. When you're at home, you have less of those barriers. You mm-hmm. may still have some cultural, religious, et cetera, barriers, but they're lower bars to get over than they would be outside of your own fence. Right. So, you know, it's that whole crawl, walk, run. You know, I've been in startups a lot in my life and that term has been said time and time again. If you want to run, you first have to crawl and then you can walk and then you can run because that's only after you get your legs underneath you and you know how to use them. Yeah. The United States of America needs help. And here in our local communities, they need help. And until you can understand what's broken in a community, you have no place going into another country and trying to fix that community's problem. Mm -hmm. You need to have a really good sense of how to apply your knowledge or what you think is a fix locally and then branch it out globally. Mm -hmm. Global problems, if I was to say the real solution to global problems is empowering those within those communities globally to have the ability to make the change necessary. Education. Right, so education. Because without the education, then there is absolutely no way to get, you know, let's take China for instance. If China has a problem with, um, I'm use something super basic, let's say they have a problem with nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. Someone in the United States of America, say here in Seattle, could come up with a really great idea to put an education plan together and then they could fly over to China, they could drop themselves in one of these communities and try to teach them better nutrition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But without understanding the culture and why that problem even exists, you're going to have a really hard time selling them on anything. Right. So instead, by saying, hey, let's reach out to folks that are local and let's prop them up. Let's set them up in a way that they can go into those communities and mm-hmm. educate those groups. Right. Well, now they understand the culture. They understand where the root problems exist. Mm-hmm. And they have the solution for that because hopefully you're funding them some money. Right. <laughs> and then they can actually get something done. Right. So right. I think global problems are solved at the grassroots. They're solved in the communities by the people that live there that are already doing the work. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, some of the things that I've seen when I've gone to, you know, India and different other countries and stuff is, you know, a lot of them have open trench toilets and you know they have no sanit. people don't understand you know sanitation is it it exists in a very small piece of the world yeah you know i mean i think vancouver even pumps all of its stuff right out into the ocean i don't even think it does anything vancouver uh you know bc yeah um i think they're the biggest country in the world where they literally just pipe it out to a spinning uh part of the ocean wow yeah i don't think they've changed you know and it's just there's you know sanitation and water what do we got, right? Yeah. And those are a couple of big things right there. Yeah. You know what I found out when I was in, oh, this was crazy. I was in um, Minnesota and I was driving around and I started, you know, you notice when there's like new factories when you're driving, even if you're in somewhere you don't know. Right. So I'm driving around. I'm like, what the heck is that? And then I kind of finally line up with something where I could read it. And it was um, in Nestle. You know the company yeah. Nestle, and it and it was a big like truck, and I was like, "What is that? Like you know, chocolate milk or something in there?" This is what I found out. Nestle is a company owned by not the United States. Oh wow! So what Nestle's doing is the, it was bottling water. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is the most ridiculous thing I ever found out. The uh, a friend of mine in Minnesota explained to me. I was like, "Well, what, what's Nestle doing here? You know, you got you got discounts on donuts or what?" <laughs> 
And he's like, no, this is, it's crazy. So he's like, look at this bottle. And he hands me a Nestle bottle of water. And I flip it around. It says, a bottled, bottled in Ohio. So what Nestle's doing is buying land, bottling local water, and selling it back to us. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sounds about right. It, who I mean, allowed this? Yeah, it's, you know, who allowed that is somebody who got some cashola somewhere along sure. the line, right? A little bit of scratch yeah. goes a long way when you're yeah, in politics. Yeah, I was just completely, like, blown away. Yeah, it's, that type of thing, it, it's shameful. Um, it's shameful, um, and I'm not saying it's illegal. I'm saying it's shameful. Right. It, there's, there is a lack of, of moral fiber in our political structure. There's a lack of moral fiber in the people that are running certain institutions. And it's evaporating not because they were bad people necessarily right. from the get-go. It's evaporating because very large corporations or foreign nationals or whatever are stepping in and they've got the money to change people's minds. Right. Right. And money does change people's minds, especially in a world today where the middle class is non-existent. Right. 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 You're either you're either doing well or you're doing really, really bad. Sure. I mean, it's not to say that there is absolutely nobody in the middle who's kind of, you know, mm. making it pay to paycheck to paycheck. Right, right. But that's few and far between. Usually it's like, yeah, I'm doing well or no, I'm, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. If I don't get that yeah. next paycheck. I'm done. Yeah. And I'm eating my shoes. Right. And so it's much easier, I think, for larger corporations to toy around with that. You know, you want some land or you want whatever and you can come in and you can throw some money around and make people do the dance you want them to do. That needs to change. I think. It absolutely needs to change. But it's the question really becomes it's a question of what is our democracy? What is are we capitalists? Are we not capitalists? We want to be socialists. We want to be communists. Like what, what is it we want to be? You know, I think at the end of the day, I personally like capitalism. Um, is it broken? I think it's fairly broken, but I think most types mm -hmm. are going to be broken at some level. I mean, socialism, let's say we became a socialist country tomorrow. It may look really good on paper for the first few weeks mm -hmm. after time. Guess what it becomes? Mm -hmm. The same thing socialism has always become because power. You know, the C I'm, word. Yeah. Right. It, it, yeah. Anyway, it's, you know, I, you know, you know, uh, for socialism, I, I, I don't have really any experience in like the those words. You know, I don't really I mean, I know the United States. I've been to Russia and lived there for quite a while. And I know how that works, whatever the heck that is called, you know. But we went on a trip to our family to visit our family in Norway for a summer. And at the end of our couple of months trip, we went uh, to Sweden and spent some spent a short amount of time in Sweden. And then from Sweden, we took a ferry boat where we drove our car mm -hmm. on our rental car on. I'm sorry, and or van. Sorry, and uh, we went on this ferry, and the ferry took us to Finland. And then when we got to Finland, that's when I experienced socialism. And I'm I'll tell you what, this was not. It not that I don't have anything bad to say about it, but it really felt like um, we were on a set of a movie, yeah, and nothing made sense. And we were actually there for about a two weeks. We started getting depressed. It Look, was so weird. That doesn't shock me. I've actually worked with folks from that area, yeah, that have left for that reason. It, yeah, it's there is. 
So th- there's very little upward mobility, mm-hmm. right? There's the opportunities are pretty much fixed. Right. And in, there's some pluses and minuses, obviously, with anything, any structure of government, there's always going to be the pluses and minuses. One of the pluses to socialism is you, if set up properly, it doesn't allow the populace to fail. Right. So you're either constantly getting an education to become something else or you're getting some money or something. They they don't want a failing community, which I can appreciate that. Yeah. But at the same time, it also doesn't inspire anybody to glow, like really shine. Mm -hmm. How are you going to be a better person? Well, you're never going to be a better person. You have to leave. Right. These light bulbs only all turn up to 80. (laughs) None of these light bulbs go to 100. Yeah. Right. Or a thousand. We're never going to let you shine out or outshine anybody else. Right. right. Um, And to me, that's sad because there is something about the ability to say, I want to be better and I want to do better. That should be allowed and encouraged, not in the way that makes you feel superior, but in a way that motivates you to be a better person. Yeah. Agree, totally, hundred percent agree. You know, as a as a CEO, you know my my one of my biggest um, biggest you know interactions with every employee that we have is to empower them to be their own CEO and have their own company and do better than we're doing. You know, yeah. and really help them succeed. Don't create an environment where you, you you know you trap them and and you make them have to work. You know, yeah, yeah. But create an environment for them to be able to feel comfortable and be successful and. Do whatever they want. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, so what is your what is your next big venture in in uh, that you have uh, on the horizon? Well, uh, so I am getting my criminal justice degree right now. Okay, and I'm pretty close to uh, getting that completed. Um, one of my goals in life uh, from a young age was to become a private investigator. Ah. Calling Dick Tracy. Um, Calling yep, Dick Tracy. Exactly. Well, I got the watch to do it yeah. now. Like when I was a kid, that was just a dream. And now isn't I actually that, have a watch that will do it. Yeah. Gosh, I actually remember the comic book. Uh, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and pretending on my watch. And now I yes. just, yeah, I completely forgot. They got oh, yeah. it. And yeah. so. Um, I, I definitely won't be the guy sitting in a car taking pictures of the guy cheating on his wife. That's not in the roadmap, but um, I do have some pretty interesting ideas of what, what I can do to help really businesses great. out, help cities out, um, put some of my brain trust to use. Right. There, there's a lot of things that um, private investigators are allotted from a legal standpoint or information they're allowed to gain access to that you can't as a private citizen. And I, I learned this along the road. There was things I wanted to know in order to help um, clients out along the way when I was doing some business management and, sure. and uh, business consulting. I was like, well, I can't have access to the information, so I'd have to hire somebody to do this work, right. uh, due diligence work, for instance. Right. Like, um, let's say a client wants to acquire another business, which, by the way, right now is happening a lot. Big time. Yeah, like Big time. businesses are, uh, like, it's a, a shark and minnow fest out it there is, right now. It is, it is, it is absolutely, you know, from our perspective, we get, we get written offers with blank checks. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine uh, is, um, owns a dentistry in Kirkland and was telling me this entire story that uh, there's this Chinese, there's this Chinese owned company, Chinese, Chinese owned company that was created over here and they're going around buying dentistries because all the dentists are retiring. So they're going around, they're making, they're buying the dentistry and they're asking the dentist to stick around for some amount of time. And then they're just coming in and, and doing everything Chinese version. Oh, and, and you know, 
What a great model, though. I mean, that's like buying somebody's insurance book, right? Somebody really they get to seventy and want to retire, and you're like, "Yeah, I'll buy that." Let's see, like eighty percent of all the dentists in the United States are about to retire. Yeah, or you know, I'm just making that up. I I mean, mean, could you imagine if you ran across that data? I I mean, you know, I'd like to see that data because um, most of the dentists that I know of. We're all pushing that 60 plus exactly. mark. And so I could see that being yeah. somewhat factual. Yeah. yeah. I was like, mm, this could make some sense. I'm yeah. going to do their homework. Yeah. And all those businesses. And for me, you know, I, I look at these businesses um, that are acquiring other businesses and, or let's say you're a startup and you want to get investors, whatever the relationship is, somebody's going to take money or sign a contract. Mm-hmm. The minute that is done, you're tied to that person. It's like getting married, yeah. right? And yeah. I, I know a lot of people get married, you know, love at first sight. They run off to Las Vegas, they get married, they wake up the next day and they're like, what the heck did I just do? Well, Evil, you, right, exactly. that's what happened. <laughs> that and a lot of tequila. Um, businesses shouldn't find themselves in that situation. And especially, uh, I guess my heart in this is really making sure that smaller medium businesses aren't finding themselves on the short end of that stick. Yeah. They're not taking investment from somebody who's going to take away too much of their business for too little evaluation or things like that. And, and just because I've been in the industry a long time, I have a, a pretty large expertise in certain areas mm-hmm. and I want to be able to apply that and then be able to use the data and information that I'll be able to gain once I actually have my license. Right. Right. And you know, you have to think about a company and how much money it makes today, where inflation is, how hard it is. You know, I I, I don't know if you've had um, companies in other states, but, you know, Washington State is, I, I, I would even come to say, you know, or I would even, you know, fair to say that it's probably one of the hardest states in the country to own a company. I mean, it's it's very, very regulated and challenging, very regulated, very challenging. And this is why I have lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just, you know, it's it's um, it's very, um, you know, our clients the, the or the or the clientele in the state is very educated, yeah. very, very uh, invested in all of their um, spending and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. When you have an exactly. So I think it's a great idea what you're doing because the reason I'm, I was, I was kind of saying going that way was what was, there's something that I have seen that's kind of a nod towards the direction of what you're saying is people will sell their company and it will be a, a nice strategic move. It will put money in their pocket and this and that, and they'll still be in control and they can back out of it by paying them back a certain amount or at any right. point and all this stuff. But there's also sneaky ways to craft a deal to where you're completely cornered and it, it and it's such a minute detail that you, you can right. overlook. Yeah. And this is, um, we were talking about money earlier and how that corrupts people. And this is, you know, money to somebody who is retiring. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, you know, if somebody's going to give you, let's say, half a million dollars or a million dollars for your practice, whatever that practice may be, mm-hmm. you're 69, you're going on 70, you want to retire, that money looks really good, right? Um, but without doing the the work, the analytics, the right. getting the information to understand what is my business actually worth and what is what is the true number I could be getting out of this without understanding that, you're really just shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, if there's intellectual property wrapped up in that, did you write a patent while you were in the business? There's, there's just too many things to think about that when people find themselves in either dire situations or emergent situations, they're like, I'm just going to do this and move on. Yeah. And then they, they, they're leaving money on the table or they're hurting themselves in some other way. Right. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, it, I was, <laughs> I was talking with a buddy of mine that owns a com a couple of companies, two companies, in fact, and he was telling me, you know, people, it's hard to be a, an owner of a company, the hardest it's probably ever been. I mean, it's really, really a struggle these days. It's almost, you know, uh, it would be funner to be an employee and let them deal with all that and just get a paycheck. It's yeah. A struggle. It's absolute struggle. There's, uh, yeah, starting a business and managing a business is not for the faint of heart. No. If, no. if you think that you are going to start a business and be wealthy the next day, not saying that can't happen, but it's going to be rare. The reality is what you are going to do for the first few months of your business is everything you didn't want to do. Right. You know, if, if you are going to handcraft the best known speaker, you know, audio speaker known to man, you had the science down for it. You knew what all the materials were. It didn't matter if you had all that stuff ready to go. What you're going to do for the first three months is hire employees, talk to lawyers, talk to more lawyers, get yeah. patents, write more documentation than you've ever known. Yeah. yeah it's going to bore you to tears. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the reality of starting any business but yeah like you said in some states it's just you know x factor more time and effort than it would be in some other states the taxes are different or the tax code is difficult again this is why you hire professional lawyers and, and tax attorneys and whatnot right, i mean right, right. dealing with that stuff in this state honestly i wouldn't do it on my own yeah it yeah it's it, things have changed a lot over yeah. the years so if you're going to give advice to a new up and rising ceo mm-hmm you know, that wants to start a company either in the United States or in Washington state, what, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, I would first say have a really well documented business plan, understand exactly what it is you're trying to do. And then if there's any intellectual property around it whatsoever, get it patented. Even if it's provisional patent, go get that done, mm -hmm. get a lawyer. Mm -hmm. you, you, there is no, I don't care what size of your business, if you're not going out and getting a lawyer as like the second or third thing you're doing when you're starting a business, you're probably shooting yourself in the foot. Right. And it sounds like, oh man, lawyers are so expensive. Yeah, you know what's really expensive? Getting sued. Right. Uh, what's really expensive is having somebody stub their toe when they enter into your coffee shop that you never bothered getting the proper uh, insurance or legal documentation. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of other things that can be more painful than getting a lawyer. And lawyers will save you a ton of time down the road. They will. Yeah. The negotiate, try to negotiate and then have a lawyer do it for you yeah. and, and then come back and have a conversation Yeah, and be like, you know what? It ain't for me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I want to know, we, we got about what, like nine, 10 minutes or something. I want to know about something that I didn't know about this, your motorcycle, Harley. What's oh, going yeah. on? How'd you get into this stuff? Um, well, let's see. Well, tell I've, me what you, what you ride first. Yeah. Currently. So I've got a, I've got a Harley Davidson soft tail slim. It's, um, Basically, it looks like a motorcycle that would have rolled out of like the 1950s, 1940s. Okay. You know, it's um, kind of a matte black. Uh, it's got mixed chrome and then glossy black. And what? it's just, it looks like it's something that was kind of thrown together in your workshop. That looks Yeah. Sick. And I, I've done a few tweaks to it. So it's slightly modified, but not something crazy. Right. But it's a great bike. It's uh, got this really low slung solo seat on it. Mm -hmm. Um 
Yeah, I mean, the, the seat height is really low. Nice. And for a guy like, I mean, I'm not that tall, but I like to sit comfortable. Right. Oh, this is, this is nice. the Nice, knees up kind, oh, of, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah nice. it's beautiful. Um, so you got some trips planned or what are you, uh, we'll, are you part we'll of? We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I um, you ride so with the, the Seattle chapter, uh, Hog chapter, or not Hog chapter, but the uh, Seattle uh, Harley-Davidson, which is Jet City Harley-Davidson. Jet City Harley. Yeah, I've okay. been I've been a member down there for a long time. A great group of people, lots of fun. It's actually been a while with COVID and whatnot right. since I've been down there. Probably have to re-up my membership. I'll probably let that lapse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully maybe get a few trips in. Yeah. They do a lot of fun runs here and there. One of my my long-term goals though is uh, from here to White Sands, solo. New Mexico? Yep. Mm. Yeah, I want to do a solo run all the way to New Mexico and back. Wow. Did you ever see that one movie um, with, ooh, it was not really a movie. I'm sorry. It was like more like a documentary with... Um, Oh, that actor, and he took a BMW bike across Europe and down through Germany. No, I know which one you're talking about, but I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Ewan McGregor. Yeah, Long Way Down. Yeah, Long Way Down. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that one. You should watch that. It's super cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just them filming, getting their bikes ready, and going on a ride. Yeah, that would that would probably be very inspiring. Yeah, that was that that would be cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I've ridden. Uh, so I, I had, you know, crotch rockets and stuff and Harleys and all that, whatever. And I don't currently have one cause it's not a real family vehicle. A friendly vehicle. Family, right. you know. <laughs> See a <ya>, family. <laughs> I'm family. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and it's just, I just feel so guilty, you know, just going on a ride all alone, you know, leaving, you know, wife and kids yeah. to f fight it out, you know, and I just, I, I want one so bad. I just love them, you know, and it's a great way to, man, I tell you, it's a great way to clear your head. You yeah. Know, you get on that bike and just get out there in the open air and yep. let that hit in the face. And it's like, yeah. yeah disappears yeah. all the bad stuff it really does you know and i did some uh um, biking and camping you know kind of things here and there and it was it was great it really is uh it's a little more dangerous now oh uh, yeah there's a lot more people on the road. there's a lot more people on the road you know and but uh you know there's a really great ride is going up to mount uh mount st helens have you ever ridden that one? I've not. Well, I've gone. So I've gone up that direction, but I haven't gone all the way up the mountain. If you go, it's just a really tight, swervy, yeah. long. I love and, those. Yeah. And, and the, 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 they're not tight. They're kind of like. Yeah. Meandering. Kind of like, you know how when you're going down the road, you can just lean left, lean right. Oh, yeah. It's that. It's not really turning the handlebars. It's just kind of leaning. Yeah. You're just kind of swaying in a rocking chair kind of thing. You know, but and don't fall direction. asleep. Yeah, and don't fall asleep. <laughs> but it's a good you know hour up that mountain, wandering yeah. up, and then you get all the way up to the top, uh, to the out overlook, yeah. where you can see the you know the kind of half crater. Oh yeah, and yeah. its path of oh, where it's all this nice. destruction, and, yeah. it's, and it's crazy because all the trees are sitting on this. They're like pushed to the side still. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a that was really fun ride. Nice. That was. Really I'll fun have ride. to put that on my uh, my bucket. Yeah, and it's close. I mean, it ain't no. Oh right. I mean, yeah. How often do you can you go on a ride of a volcano? Right. You know, so you ain't going. Hopefully not that yet. often. Yeah. No, <laughs> okay. At least not an active yeah. one. Well, you know, and I was talking to someone that first came that had that never been to Washington before, and they're like, "Yeah, we're completely surrounded by volcanoes," and they're like, "What?" And we're in a tsunami and earthquake zone. And yeah. Like, what? Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, do you have? Uh, you're, I, I see you looking down. Do you have something else that's on your mind? Oh, you know, I was just thinking. You know, like, uh, you know, you have those those great questions about. You know, like, did I have a great concrete experience, or yeah. you know, and I didn't have a great concrete experience. Good I had a really for you. Bad concrete experience. Bad concrete. Yeah. Experience. So, you know, I'll be brief, but um, 
I would warn anybody this this is this is the tell of what not to find yourself in so I have a busted garage slab yes and it, I mean it's gotten worse over the years I haven't actually got a fix but um, I had somebody out not going to name who it was they came out um, it was a you know, a, com- a company's been around for a while. And uh, they came out, took a look at it. I said, you know, like, how much is it gonna be? And it was like almost $10,000 for the work. Um, they said, you're probably gonna also need to have like the like the foundation raised and some other things too. Sure. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you know, if you do this thing without us having to go pull permits and blah, 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 it, it'll be a lot less. Mm-hmm. And right about then is when I was like, okay, thanks for your visit. Run. Yeah, I mean, the reality is like, if you're, I mean, the integrity, we talked about integrity, yeah. no integrity. Yeah. And that really bothers me. But the fact that you're going to do something without a permit, I mean, if the work was shoddy and somebody else moved into the home, you're putting them at risk. Yep. It's not documented. Yep. And and if something happened to you, it's right. not documented. And like, you know, yep. we talked about before, if something does go wrong and you don't have the proper permits, <laughs> say goodbye to your home insurance policy. Yeah, for that life. is not going to cover yeah. what just happened. And yeah. if it's deadly, well, then you're incredibly screwed up. Right. So it's it's not worth it. I'm it. You know, permits can be difficult depending on the city. Can be more difficult yep. than another, but yep. it's always worth to go the route and get the permit. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, hire a company that goes and does the permits and yeah. that's their policy. Absolutely. And and if and if no one really knows what the whole permit process is or it doesn't really matter the point of the permits is to protect the citizens yep that's the whole point of it yep. you know yeah there's some money in there getting you and all this and that but the whole point its origin is to protect the citizens from danger yeah flat out danger i mean you don't want natural gas you know off gassing into your house and blowing up yeah there's so many small things that can be done in a residential home that can have very small effects on you, but over a long amount of time can do some serious damage. Yep. And when you take a little baby, you know, and put that little body in a, in, in a confined space, I mean, it's, it ain't cool. Yep. It ain't cool at all. I agree. So yeah, if you need, if it, there, there's really nothing in this, nothing in this, uh, in this state that doesn't require permits other right. than itching your ass. So <laughs> if somebody tells you you don't need permits, you can pretty much just check them off your list. Right. Yeah, so exactly. That's your absolutely that's, right. It's good advice. Yeah. So I want to hear, unless yeah. you have anything no, else, no. I want to hear, I want to talk about, let's see if I can do it. Did you hear that? Yeah. It was a mystery. Nice. It's, have you ever done those mystery dinners? No. Wow. Super hard. Oh, yeah? Glad. Yeah, I've gone to a couple of them and come close to not even, you know, I think I was second to last or something, you know, and you have to figure out in the dinner who's the murderer. (laughs) And it was just, it's just amazing how people deduce this stuff and they're like professional slews. And that sounds kind of fun. Yeah, it is. No, it's it's very fun. The first one, you you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be irritated that you didn't get this, that, and the other. But then after you know, because we went with our friends, and after you go a few times, you can start kind of putting things together and having a, an intelligent opportunity. Interesting. Yeah, you've gone to secret rooms though, haven't you? No or escape rooms. No, those are uh, those are different. Yeah. Escape rooms aren't like dinner mystery murders or whatever. Those ones you actually have to use, you know, you have to deduce. Right. And they give you clues and it's, it's all, it's very, some of them are just amazing, you Hmm. know, and they're usually around like, uh, I want to say like $150 a plate. And, and by the way, you don't go for the food. (laughs) Mm -mm, No, you don't go for the food. It's MREs and... (laughs) 
you know, Highline Highline lunches. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Highline lunches. So let's hear your uh, let's hear your what 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 gets you what's your what's the keystone of of your bridge of life? Yeah, you know, and so uh, and I remember this very specifically from our from our version one of this recording. Yes, but yes. Um, so there's a quote that. Uh, drives me. There's actually several quotes that drive me. There's this one in particular by Frederick Douglass. So it's a very, very old quote. Um, If there is no struggle, there is no progress. If there is no struggle, there there is is no no progress. Okay. And you can apply this to anything in your life. And by struggle, people are probably thinking like, oh, somebody taking my purse and I'm supposed to fight them. No, that's not the struggle I'm talking about. I'm talking about the interpersonal struggle with life or the, the struggle over good, bad, et cetera. Mm-hmm. If, you're not, if you're not having a hard conversation with somebody about something that is meaningful, whether it's politics, religion, love, whatever it might be, if you're not having a hard conversation, you're never going to reach a better place. And so, you know, you said, last time I remember, you're like, well, boil that down into a word for me. Yeah. And we came up with growth. Growth. Because growth is the struggle of something. You think about it. A seed falls from a tree, it hits the ground. It struggles for months. Mm-hmm. Winter, mm-hmm. being stepped on, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then here comes spring. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, look at this. Now I crack open, I got some water. Now struggle's not over. Still no. got to get bigger. Yep. And it never ends, right? right? Because you're constantly growing. Right. And I was talking about this earlier. That my, my own personal passion is to be constantly learning. Mm-hmm. Because the minute you're not learning, you're dying. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean physically dying. Your, your stagnation is death, right? Right. How, what good are you if you're not actually learning and contributing? Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's super important that we grow as a population of people around the world to actually do better things. And you can only get there with that struggle. Right. Yeah. Struggle is, is a big part of growth. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the biggest, you know, I, and I never, I've heard it a million times, you know, that um, you learn from your failure, but until you really live long enough to be able to say the, the majority of my growth happened from my failures. Yeah. And I'm talking like the 80% plus. Um, I'm very thankful for all the mistakes that I have been able to walk away from mm-hmm. and grow from. Yeah. That uh, reminds me of another great quote. What do you got? Roy Rogers. Um, great drink. <laughs> good judgment comes from experience, but a lot of that comes from bad judgment. Good. Wow. That's great. You can, just like you said, I mean, life is, if you don't test it, if you're not willing to get outside of your comfort zone, if you're not willing to take a few lumps, fall down, scrape your knee and get back up, you're never going to have the experience to do it better the next time. I agree. I agree. I absolutely agree. I think you hit the nail on the head. And with that, I'm going to thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. For the second time. Yeah. Um, And uh, sharing your amazing stories. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Pentec Industrial Floor Coatings that is manufactured in an industry with award-winning products in the realm of concrete floor coatings. Just a reminder, you can find us at Foundation Nation Podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever else your podcasts come from. Make sure to like, subscribe on Facebook at Foundation Nation Podcast. And thanks again, and we'll catch you on the flip side.